here's Pastor Ed with a brief preview of today's edition of Voice of Faith. God, why didn't this happen the way I asked you? He loves you, that's why. He wants to deepen your faith, that's why. He wants you to have a glimpse of His glory. He's working out His redemptive plan in your life so that you will be fruitful and that many will come to Christ because of what He's done in you. We can do everything we can to plan out our lives, to stick with a timeline that we think will grant us the most freedom and happiness. But what happens when a wrench gets throws in the works and our timeline flies out the window? Pastor Ed today discusses the purpose of God's timing versus our timing and how His timing creates the better path and is so much more fulfilling. Of course, this means we have to give up something that we hold tight to, our own control. Don't worry, it will be worth it. Now here's Pastor Ed with today's message entitled, God's Timing. Someone has said, clouds in our lives are sent many times to bring the showers of blessing and how true it is. I remember I had a caprice, a Chevy caprice, and I was in an accident. It was a brand new car. It really should have been totaled, but somehow, because it was new, they didn't. And so I would go to the body shop, and this was years ago, and I'd wonder, how long is this going to take? I says, no, it takes a long time. We have to re-bend it, and we've got to keep it in that position before it will really straighten out. And sometimes, because we've been bent by sin, God keeps us in the trial so that he could rebend us and correct us. And it takes a long time. And you're waiting in that situation and God's developing faith in you. You say, Lord, I believe you. I can't see the answer, but I trust you. God, I don't understand why this is this way, but Lord, I trust you. God, I can't see another step, but I know you're there. God, oh, you're my good shepherd. Hallelujah. Oh, you're Jehovah Jireh. Hallelujah. Oh, God, you're my peace. God, you're my healer. What is happening in the midst of that, in the midst of your trial, your faith is growing. You're seeing God develop faith within you. This is what happens in John chapter 2 where it says, He thus revealed his glory and his disciples put their faith in him. The mother of Jesus, Mary, wanted him to perform a miracle at the feast at Cana of Galilee. And he said, listen, mom, my timing is not your timing. Now later on he's going to do the miracle there and he does do a miracle. But he clearly tells them that his timing doesn't work by our timepiece. It works by his and so when he does it, there's a miracle, and they know it's a miracle. It's at the very end, and he turns this water into wine, and the disciples believe. See, what happens in the crisis, what happens in the trial, what happens when God comes through, when he comes through, is you know it's God, you know it's not man, you know it's not somebody else, you know it couldn't have just happened, it was sent by God's divine hand. And that's what Jesus is doing. He said, I'm going to show you. And you're going to know that you know that you know that you know who I am. So God's timing 
is to develop faith in us. God's timing is to reveal his glory to us. In verse 4, rather, when he heard this, Jesus said, this sickness will not end in death. No, it's for God's glory. So that God's Son may be glorified through it. The sickness God was going to use. The occasion God was going to use. God will use those difficult trials and difficult things that happen in our life for his glory. It doesn't cause them. It didn't happen that way. But God can take it and utilize it and use it. What does it mean for his glory? Well, we see his beauty, his splendor, his wonder. Suddenly we get a glimpse into who he is and what he is like. When Jesus walked to the gravesite and said, Lazarus, come forth! And that man came out of the grave they suddenly realized he's different than any other person we've ever seen. They were seeing his glory. Uh, In the midst of the trial, when Moses was in the wilderness, in the midst of leading those people in those wilderness years, uh, Moses wants to pray. He says, show me thy glory. See, when you see God's glory, it gives you strength. When you see God's glory, it gives you an inner spiritual strength. He said, I want you to see my glory. That was his prayer. If you look at John 17, it says... Jesus is praying, Father, I want those you have given me to be with me where I am and to see my glory. God wants you to see his splendor. To see him is to love him. When you really know him, you can't help but love him. When you really see him, there's nobody as beautiful as Jesus. No painter can paint No movie director can direct. No actor can act. No preacher can articulate how beautiful the Lord is. When you see him for who he is, you just fall in love with him. You see his glory. It's his glory that brought you out of the darkness. And often his glory is revealed in the moment of suffering and trial and questions. In 2 Corinthians 4, 6, it says, For God who said, Let light shine out of darkness, made his light shine in our hearts to give us the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Christ. When Jesus was on the cross, you could see in the midst of his suffering, in the midst of his pain, his glory, his glorious love. His glorious compassion. You see, like a veil taken from before your face, the glory of a God who loved you so much, as unworthy as you are, as sinful as you are. God embraced you on the cross of Calvary. Uh, When you see his glory, something happens on the inside. And so he's... His timepiece 
It works so that you will see the glory of God. Suddenly in that trial, you see God come and walking, as I said, as your shepherd. You see him as Jehovah Jireh, the God of supplies. You see him as your healer. You see him as your peace. You see him as your sustainer. You see him as the mighty God. You see him as the one who carries you through in the midst of your trials. You get a glimpse of his glory and everything changes on the inside. Yeah, amen. What has to happen inside of you and me is we have to have an adjustment. You, you know, you, you go to the chiropractor and he cracks those bones, cracks that back, and you walk out like, no, no, you walk out feeling better. <laughs> what happens is we need a spiritual adjustment sometimes. We really do. That's why... Oswald Sanders said this, we used to think that the chief end of man was to glorify God. Now we're tempted to say the chief end of God is to gratify man. You were placed here to glorify him. You do that in your praise and you do that by the way you serve him. You do that by the way you trust him. You do that by the way you obey him glorifying God we're here not to gratify ourselves we're here to serve the Lord when I pursue pleasure when I pursue my own ambitions when I run after my own agenda what happens I stumble and fall in the darkness and I lose my way but when I pursue self-denial when I pursue His will, when I pursue the ability to, to glorify and to live for God and I'm willing to lose my life, I suddenly find it all. In that moment when I surrender and I give and I commit and I live for Him, suddenly the joy comes. Suddenly the peace comes. Suddenly all of the things that I was seeking for, packaged by the world in different boxes that when you open up it's empty and it's not there and you go to something else and you go to something else and you go to something else and it's not there. But when I, I live the life of the cross and I put the cross before me and the world behind me, what happens is God does something on the inside. I behold his glory and in his presence is fullness of joy. I may be in Africa and I have absolutely nothing, but I have joy. I may go through suffering and sacrifice and have nothing, but I have everything. Because I have him. Amen. It's amazing. We live in a country with so much. And yet we're so afflicted. With emotional problems. It's Jesus is, that's our life. He's the answer. Uh, in John eleven forty, it says this. Then Jesus said, did I not tell you? If you believed, you will see my glory. Jonathan Edwards, great revivalist, great pastor, 
great college president, key figure in our history, one of the great theologians in American history said this, he resolved that all men should live for the glory of God. His second resolve, whether others do so or not, I will. Simple. Whether others do so or not, I will. I'm going to live for his glory. Jesus is teaching us something here. His time clock in our life is governed by his love, is meant to deepen our faith, is meant to reveal his glory. Hmm. There's a last point, a fourth. His timing accomplishes redemption for us. And I could add through us. The miracle that Jesus was going to perform was going to set in motion a series of circumstances that would precipitate his death. The Jewish people had plotted and planned at different and various times to take his life, but never from the highest seat of authority did they determine to kill him. But when Lazarus was raised from the dead and he was walking around in Bethany and he was walking around in Jerusalem and they saw a dead man walking and living that had been dead four days, people began to believe. Let me just stop and pause for a moment here. When people see God's work in your life, they'll see God's glory. They'll believe. Uh, you're in the midst of that trial and yet you're trusting. You've been praying for years and yet you haven't seen the answer, yet you're still trusting the Lord. Uh, you're going through a hard place and you trust it. Or you've been delivered and you tell them that story, that testimony. Uh, it does something in people's lives. When God works in you, he can work through you. When God works in you, he works through you. When God works in you, he works through you. And so what's happening in the midst of God's timepiece is he's 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 saying I love you and because I love you you just be patient you just trust uh, my timing is perfect I'm building faith in you I just want you to see my glory when I rescue you I want you to know it's not the hand of man when I lift you up I want you to know it's not the hand of man when I do something for you I want you to know that it's not because of your goodness it's because of my graciousness hello does anybody know what I'm saying hallelujah here's the wheels beginning to turn the high priest God's timing accomplishes redemption for us. Caiaphas, who was the high priest that year, said to them, You know nothing at all, nor do you understand that it is better for you that one man should die for the people, not that the whole nation should perish. He did not say this of his own accord. But being the high priest that year, he prophesied that Jesus would die for the nation. And not for the nation only, but also to gather into one the children of God who are scattered abroad. So from that day on they made plans to put him to death. What happened was Caiaphas saw the people believing in Jesus, accepting and embracing him. So he set some political process in to take Jesus out. They were afraid of losing the little authority that they had, that Rome would come in and 
take that authority away from them. And so they plan to kill Jesus. The miracle of raising of Lazarus created a whole bunch of animosity among the leaders when it should have created praise. When your heart is not right with God, I tell you, the miracles of God make you bitter, not better. But when your heart is right with God, it makes you believe. Imagine, same people could see the same thing. Lazarus walking, raised from the dead. And some say, hallelujah, Messiah is here. And others say, let's get rid of him. And Caiaphas unwittingly, not knowing it, he's prophesying. This ungodly religious leader says, he must die for the nation. God can use even unsaved religious leaders. And he begins to speak, and he speaks a prophetic word unknowingly. Jesus would die for the nations. Jesus' death would bring Gentile and Jew together. Jesus' death would mean the redemption for lost Humanity. God's timepiece works for your redemption, for the winning of the lost. I watched a film the other day, a film that many of you are familiar with, The End of the Spear. Uh, it's about five missionaries. The most well-known of them was Jim Elliott. But five missionaries who gave their life trying to bring the gospel to the Wadani tribe. The Wadani tribe had fought among themselves and more people died in that tribe by murder than by natural death. And they were constantly at war with one another, killing each other. Well, they flew a plane in, they began to try and make contact with them, and these five missionaries were killed. Now, at the end of the movie, it showed, um, well, through the movie, it showed this young son of Nate, one of the missionaries, Steve Saint, who later in life goes back to the Wadani tribe. His aunt had stayed there, and and. They had come to Christ. They had accepted Jesus as their personal Savior. And this whole tribe was saved. And their life completely changed. And at the end of the film, Steve Stain, he's, a, he's an older man now. He's living in Florida. He comes back to bury his aunt in the 90s. I think it was 1992 or something or 94. And the chief of the tribe comes and talks to him. And he takes him back to the place where his father was speared. And then he shows him a picture that his father had kept in the plane of Steve as a little boy. And there was a cup. And he shows them the broken wing of that plane that the chief had buried. And then he says, I killed your father. And he gives the spear to Steve. And he says, kill me. 
kill me. And Steve wouldn't do it. He said, no, you didn't kill my father. He gave his life. Those five missionaries, some would have said in that moment, what a waste. Five young men dying. But their blood was spilt. And out of that blood that was spilt, hundreds of young men and young women were inspired to go to the mission field. Their wives went back to the Wadani tribe and shared the gospel with them. And they were saved. Steve eventually went back and lived in that tribe and helped them. And we think of Elizabeth Elliot. If that never happened, the sacrifice of her life, in all probability, the sacrifice of her husband, Jim Elliot's life, in all probability, she would have never been propelled to a a national ministry. She wrote over 20 or 22 books about the Christian life, spoke and lectured all around the world. And hundreds and hundreds and hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of people's lives were changed. God received greater glory according to Christianity today through the death of those five missionaries on that forgotten piece of earth at that moment than he did if they would have lived. You will not understand always what God is doing. God, it's not working. Where are you? God's timepiece is different from yours. He sees not only the few brief moments of our existence, he sees a whole eternity. He's working in your life to create a redemptive story that you'll have a part in. Who knows how your trial will benefit somewhere down the line other people. That even in the midst of those prayers that you pray and those requests that you make, at that moment, it just doesn't make sense. Well, God, why didn't this work out the way I thought it would? God, why didn't this happen the way I asked you? He loves you, that's why. He wants to deepen your faith, that's why. He wants you to have a glimpse of his glory. He's working out his redemptive plan in your life so that you will be fruitful and that many will come to Christ because of what he's done in you. The greatest testimony God has in your life is your life what he's done in and through. You cry out, Oh, God, it hurts. Where are you? God says, There's coming a resurrection. There's coming a resurrection. And when 
I bring you to life, it'll all make sense. Well, that's all the time we have for today's edition of Voice of Faith with Pastor Ed Jones of Faith Assembly in Poughkeepsie, New York. There's more to come from Pastor Ed's look at the Gospel of John. We encourage you to download today's message again to review. Simply log on to voiceoffaithradio.com and select today's date from the Voice of Faith media plan. Again, that's voiceoffaithradio.com. Maybe today's message brought a family member or a friend to mind. You can share today's message via Facebook and Twitter by simply logging on to voiceoffaithradio.com and clicking on today's date. There you'll find all the options to share. Now we'd like to invite you to join us at Faith Assembly for worship on Sunday mornings at 9 and 11 a.m. or Wednesday evenings at 7 p.m. For driving directions and more information, log on to voiceoffaithradio.com and follow the link to Faith Assembly. Or feel free to give us a call at 845-462-5955. That's 845-462-5955. Well, that's all the time we have for today. You've been listening to Voice of Faith with Dr. Ed Jones. We invite you to join Pastor Ed as he continues teaching through the Gospel of John right here on Voice of Faith.